Well, this morning, as you heard on the video announcements, we're continuing our series called Lessons uh, from Israel. And, uh, you know, in September, uh, a group of us went to Israel. It was my second time, but we uh, got to go places that we didn't go before the, f- the first trip. But uh, I kind of took it in a lot more this time because I had uh, passed the, uh, the, you know, just the first experience of not knowing what to expect and all of that. But, um, you know, Israel is amazing. And uh, as I mentioned before, if you ever get a chance, I encourage you, you know, get your piggy bank and save your money. And even if it takes you 10 years to get there, encourage you, if you can, go to Israel because it, it does something for your faith that's really, uh, I, I can't explain it. But whenever you go to Israel and you see the spots and the places that you read about in the Bible, it just does something to your faith. And um, the places, uh, you know, that you go where Jesus lived, where Jesus did his ministry, all the pertinent places of where God moved and he, and he ministered to his people, it's just really amazing. And we visited so many sites and um, it points back uh, to, the, to the amazing stories of God moving in the hearts and lives of people. And, w- and one of the places that we went this time that we didn't go last time was Mount Cormel. And I know you're familiar with Mount Cormel. And here's a picture. Uh, we're, we're on the ledge and we're, I think that's the Valley of Jezreel right there. But um, we're on the, on the mount looking down into the valley. And uh, Mount Cormel, you know, is, a, is an important place in the scripture. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's where Elijah uh, stood for the Lord against the prophets and he called down fire from heaven. Remember that? I mean, if you read your Bible, you're not going to forget that story, right? And so Mount Cormel was also the place where they worshiped the cultic God of the rain. And if you remember, uh, Elijah prayed on Mount Cormel for rain. Remember, they were in a three-year drought and uh, they were praying to their cultic God for it to rain and it wasn't raining. And so Elijah said, God, would you cause it to rain? And remember, uh, you know, it started like with a cloud and uh, the prophet said, you better hurry up and get down there because it's about to rain. And God just moved. It It was right here, right at the spot. How do we know that? Because there's the location that's described in the Bible. It can only be that spot. And what's amazing is through, you know, through the centuries, through the through the years and years, there's these marks that the people there, like, you know, they they don't even think twice about it because that's where they live. And we go there and we read it and we see it and we go, oh, my goodness, this is where fire came down, you know. And so Mount Cormor was also the place, remember, that um, um, where, um, well, there's a number of things that happened there, but let, let me just keep going for now. The next picture I want to show you is Ashdod. Now, Ashdod is where um, it's one of the five Philistine cities. And uh, uh, Ashdod is where Jonah got spit up on the beach. Yeah. And so if you go to Ashdod, there's this is a park right here. And you can see a monument with a whale on it and signs that's, you know, that talk about Jonah being there. Isn't that amazing? And so I I just it just blows my mind. But, you know, uh, Ashdod is the sixth largest city of Israel, and it's got a population of about a quarter of a million people. 
And um, in Ashdod, there's 350 Orthodox churches there. And only one Messianic Jewish church in Ashdod. And it's Pastor Israel's church, the guy who you've met, that we've been partnering with and helping and supporting. But um, this picture is taken on the Mount of Jonah right here. And uh, and it's overlooking, you know, the, the, the coast there. But Ashdod is a familiar place in the scripture, too. And, and the other story about Ashdod is remember when the Ark of the Covenant was stolen by the Philistines, they brought it to Ashdod and they put it in the temple of Dagon. And uh, they came the next day and the Dagon God had fallen face down on the ground. He couldn't stand the presence of God. So they picked him up and they put him back on the altar. They came back the next day. His head was gone and his hands were off. And so they say, oh, oh, we're in trouble, right? But you can read about that, uh, about that story in First Samuel chapter five. And you can read about, you know, the um, Mount Carmel experience in First Kings 18. You can read all about that story. And. Um, and so then we also went to the Jordan River. Now, remember, the Jordan River is a popular spot. And uh, we we got baptized again. This is my third time getting baptized. And uh, I figured this is where Jesus got baptized, right? And um, it was in the Jordan River. And I don't know that I got any more anointing by getting baptized in the Jordan. But it was really cool getting baptized in the Jordan. And, uh, you know, the Jordan River goes from... Uh, from the Sea of Galilee all the way to the Dead Sea. And, the, and Jesus left Galilee and he went to the Jordan River where John baptized him. And uh, you can read about that in Matthew chapter 3. And it's a, it's a very important story in the Bible. And uh, they got fish in the Jordan River. Ask everybody they got baptized. But uh, it, it's just some incredible, um, incredible sights there and a lot of Bible history. And when you visit the Holy Land, there's so much that you can learn about God. And it's like, it's like you get closer to the event. It's like you get closer to what you read about in the Bible. And it's not so like way out there, and it just brings it a little bit closer. And one of the places in particular that we visited that I thought was amazing because of what it represented was the Valley of Elam. And this is what I want to talk to you about this morning, about lessons from the Valley of Elah. And uh, Elah is, we're standing in the valley right there. But if you remember the Valley of Elah, that's where David and, and Goliath had their, their battle. And you see over, the, over uh, our shoulders and over the bus there, that hill, they, they suspect that that's where the Philistines had their stronghold. And what you can't see on the other side is another hill where Israel, the Israelites had their stronghold. And right here, what we're doing is the guy that was with us said, pick up a stone and throw it as hard as you can and think about, do you think you could have knocked Goliath out with that stone? And so it was, you know, I mean, we didn't knock any giants out that I know of, but uh, it was so cool. And so, you know, they encouraged us. I picked up some stones in the valley of Elah. In fact, I got five smooth stones. No, not really, but 
But I just think it's so cool. Because remember, David, whenever he defeated Goliath, he picked up some smooth stones in the, in the brook of Elah. It's right here. And what's so incredible is not much has changed. It's not all developed and it's not, it, it's kind of out in the countryside. But this is exactly where that battle took place. And while I was there and I was just thinking, you got the Philistine stronghold over here. You got the Israelite stronghold over here. You got the valley in the middle. And just being familiar with the story, I just began to think about what it must have been like to be there whenever that took place. And, uh, and it was there while we were visiting the Valley of Elah that I started thinking and I was reminded of something that I believe is true of all of us today and that we can just uh, grab a hold of today. And the first truth is this. Everyone faces Goliaths. Everyone faces Goliaths, not just David. And number two is, with God's help, we can defeat our Goliaths. Should I close in prayer right now? Amen. But come on, how many of you feel like, man, that rings true? And so everyone faces Goliath. It's not a Philistine Goliath, but we all face Goliaths. Giant size problems. You see, the description of a Goliath is some situation, circumstance, pain, or problem that looms large in your life, right? It's that one thing that is so overwhelming that you can't seem to see anything but the problem. And remember, that's who Goliath was. Remember, Goliath was nine, some say nine foot, six inches tall. Some say nine foot, nine inches tall. But everyone says somewhere around the nine foot area. And so to get a picture of that, if you've ever been on a basketball court and you tried to dunk and you're trying to, you're still trying to dunk because it's so high, a basketball goal is at 10 foot. And so Goliath, his head would have hit right in the middle of the net. He was a big guy. In fact, the Bible tells us that he wore a hundred pounds of armor. He was a strong guy, a big guy, right? Goliath was an unnaturally large man. And when, when you talk about Goliath, it's a large problem. And Goliath is a problem that is so big, it overwhelms you, intimidates you, and produces emotional insecurity. You ever been there? When you lost your fingernails last, because you ate them all up, right? But you see, 1 Samuel 17, 11 says, When Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. Goliath had the nation of Israel, God's people, terrified and deeply shaken. In verse 24, it says, As soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. A Goliath of a problem creates emotional instability, so that if you're not able to control your emotions because of the Goliath that you're facing, you're going you're gonna to just go crazy. How do you know if you're facing a Goliath? You have emotional instability. That's one of the ways, right? But Goliaths come in really all kinds of shapes and sizes. They come, you know, there's medical or health Goliaths. There is relational Goliaths. You know, this time of year, a lot of times you deal with relational Goliaths because you know you got to go mix with people that you don't want to mix with or remind you of a relationship that is broken, that is no more. And But there's circumstantial Goliaths. 
Like, you know, there's all this pressure to, to, to give people gifts and financially you're not in a situation to do it and it can be a Goliath in your life. And then there's, you know, spiritual Goliaths where you're just struggling internally, spiritually. You're just having a tough time having the joy of the Lord. Are y'all with me out there? The issue with your Goliath is as big and it won't go away. It, it, you can't wake up in the morning and it's gone. You wake up in the morning and it's still there, right? And we learn from the story in 1 Samuel 17 that that was the kind of deal that David and, and the Israelites were dealing with because the story tells us that Goliath showed up every day, in fact, twice a day for 40 days. And 1 Samuel 17, 16 says, for 40 days the Philistine came forward every morning, evening, and he took his stand. See, the problem with Goliath is that they just don't seem to want to go away. Come on, can you all relate to that this morning? Come on, are you, are you getting a picture of a Goliath? Maybe that has got his head's already off, or maybe he's right standing in your valley right now. But you know, the real challenge of handling Goliaths is is uh, is how you deal with it, how you how you handle it, you know. And because from the story, we know that um, if you handle uh, how you handle your Goliaths, has a huge bearing on your life. And so one way to handle your Goliath is you can run from it in fear and intimidation, which is exactly how the children of Israel handled it, right? They got fearful, they got afraid, they ran back to their stronghold, and they couldn't move from where they were. The other way is you can face them, you can face your Goliath with faith and determination and courage, right? Say, I'm not staying in this stronghold anymore. If you run from your Goliath, see what happens is you will live enslaved to your problem or your circumstance. And if you, uh, and your problem will stop you from succeeding in life. And it'll rob you of your destiny. And the thing that I begin to see is I was standing in that valley, the Philistines on one side, the Israelites on the other side, Goliath in the middle, is Israel couldn't go where they needed to go. Because of this Goliath. And that's true of us, right? If you face your Goliaths, you're going to enjoy freedom and liberty, right? And you will get to improve your life dramatically and reach the destiny that God has for you. And how many of you know God has a destiny for every one of us? He didn't wind us up and put us on the earth and, until we ran out of gas. He put us on this earth with a purpose, with a plan, with a destiny. And it blessed are those who follow the plan and the destiny of God because they will always have a freshness and a, an enthusiasm about their life. Amen. You know, think about the nation of Israel. They would have never gone past that valley and received God's promise if David had not been willing to courageously face that giant. Are you tracking with me? Israel's Goliath really stood between their past and their future. God made promises to Israel in their past about what was going to happen in the future. But between their past and their future was this huge problem called Goliath. How many of you know God has given us promises? Like Jeremiah 29, 11, This is the plans that I have for you. Plans for good and not harm. Plans for welfare. He's got a future and a hope for us. Do y'all believe that this morning? God has a plan. He's got a purpose. He's got a destiny for us. But sometimes what keeps us from it is a Goliath. It's that Goliath, right? This Goliath makes 
The past promises seem like something that could never come true and kill your future hope. And that's what a Goliath of a problem does for you and I. You heard about Boudreaux, right? Boudreaux, I'm sure you heard, you know, Boudreaux was having problems. He was having medical problems and he went to see Dr. Landreau. And uh, he said, Dr. Landreau, I don't know what's the matter with you. I heard all over. He said, really? All over? Yeah, all over. He said, what do you mean all over? He said, I'm telling you, I heard all over. He said, for instance, if I touch my heart, forehead like that, oh, it hurts. It's like, well, really? Or is it just your head? No, no, no. If I touch my elbow, oh, it hurts. It's like, oh, my goodness, was it just your upper body or, or is it your whole body? Oh, no, if I touch my knee, it hurts. Oh. And so Dr. Longino was said, Boudreaux. He said, well, your problem is you got a dislocated finger. I love that. Don't you like that? But sometimes there can be this one Goliath that seems to ruin everything else in your life. It's like a dislocated finger, right? And you'll never reach your destiny in life until you learn to face your Goliaths. Because they won't go away. They're going to show up every morning. In fact, they'll show up twice a day at least. Right? But now here is the second truth that we need to know. And it's this. With God's help, we can defeat our Goliaths. That's, that's, the, that's the blessing of the story. That's the inspiration of the story. The entire inspiration of the story is God helped a shepherd boy. He wasn't a warrior. He wasn't somebody that was mature in, in, in the armies, in the ranks, and had all these stripes and, and all this stuff. He was a shepherd boy. That's what's so incredible. That you don't have to be some superhero type person to defeat your Goliaths. All you have to do is be a normal, average Joe. You can bring, you can bring down your Goliaths. I love that. Amen. And so how did David kill Goliath? Well, I, you know, obviously, practically, you know, he killed him with a sling and a stone, right? You know, here comes Goliath. David goes out. He's, uh, he's, one of eight children, and he's one of the youngest. His three brothers are in the army, and his father, Jesse, says, hey, I want you to go check on the boys. I want you to bring them a little food. I want you to check on them and say, bring me back a good report. So David lets somebody else take care of the sheep in Bethlehem, and he takes off to Elah to check on the boys. He gets there, and while he's there, here comes Goliath. And Goliath comes out again and says, hey, you pick somebody in your in your clan and bring them out here. If they can beat me, we'll be y'all slaves. If I beat them, y'all going to be our slaves. And day after day, he did that. David listens to that, and he says, who's this guy? That's a Philistine giant. And David says, Oh, really? So all of a sudden, David's starting to, something's going on on the inside of him. He's like, wow, you mean y'all staying right here and y'all not moving forward in your destiny because of this Philistine? Yeah, look at him. And so David now, all of a sudden, is dealing with something on the inside of him that he probably didn't even recognize or realize what was going on. But God was working in his life. And I'm telling you, God is working in your life this morning. God is wanting you to move forward in your destiny and not stay in the valley of Elah. He wants you to move forward. Amen? 
And so we know that David defeated Goliath whenever he took, he picked up five smooth stones and said, why five? Well, I don't know, maybe he thought he was going to miss the first time. But, you know, the more theological thing is that there was four more giants he needed to take care of. But he took the sling and the stone and threw it, hit Goliath in the head, knocked him down, went over there, took his sword, cut off his head, and that, and the whole gang rejoiced, right? So we know David defeated Goliath with a sling and a stone. But listen, practically that's how he killed him. But there is something deeper that needs to be learned to defeat the giants in your life. Because how many of you know you can't use a sling and a stone when the doctor gives you a bad report? And so what we need to learn is the deeper truths in this story. And I call them essentials to defeating the Goliaths in your life. And the first one is this. Focus on God's promises instead of your problems. And in 1 Samuel 17, 24, it says, As soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. Have you seen the giant the men asked? He comes out each day to defy Israel. The king has offered a huge reward to anyone who kills him. He will give him the man, he will give that man one of his daughters for a wife, and the man's entire family will be exempted from paying taxes. And David asked the soldiers standing nearby. Yeah, all of a sudden somebody just perked up and said, You'll be released from paying taxes? Tell me more, tell me more, right? But he says, So David, verse 26, David asked the soldiers standing nearby. What will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? David asked the question, what's, what's the reward? And so I believe David began to picture life beyond the giant problem. And he began to see, he began to think about what life would be after he knocks this giant out, right? And so David began to... uh to think about, man, I'm going to be enriched with great riches. I'm going to get to marry one of the daughters and I'm going to be free from taxes. So David began to focus attention on the promises and not the problem. Isn't it true whenever you got a circumstance in your life, it tries to, it tries to monopolize your time. It tries to monopolize your attention. And even though you try to look away, it seems like it follows you around. You know, I remember when Olivia was small and we were at a basketball game and, you know, I said, come on, let's go on a date. Let's go see a basketball game. And she was young enough to say, yeah, that's fine. They got popcorn there. Let's go. But I was watching the pot and every time I was trying to watch the game, she was sitting on my lap and I'd look this way and she'd move that way. And I looked that way and she'd move that way. And what she was trying to say is pay attention to me. Forget about them guys down there, right? But a problem is like that. Everywhere you turn, it seems to want to show up in your life. And so David, instead of looking at how big the Philistine was, he started focusing on the promises of God. He said, what did the king say? I think the king represents the promises of God. Amen. And God has some promises for you. Come on, y'all too quiet this morning. So, so you begin to imagine what life will be. I want to encourage you. Focus on God's promises. This is the plans that I have for you. I noticed that in that verse, first, uh, uh, Jeremiah 29, 11, that that verse doesn't have, this is the plans that I have for you of future unless you lose your job or unless somebody does something awful to you. No, it does not have any uh, conditions. It just says that God has a plan. 
God's a promise of God. Amen. And so listen, you might lose a round, but you're not out of the fight. Come on, you might not win the round, but you're still in the game. Amen. Come on, you need to rise up. You need to get up and you need to believe that you are a giant killer. Amen. And you need to focus on the promises of God. As a child of God, God's got a bright future for you. Amen. So the second essential, first you, you look at the promises, not the problem. And, uh, you know, I, and number two, encourage yourself by, by recalling past victories. Has God been faithful to you? You know, notice what David said when, when Saul doubted. You know, uh, David said, I'm going to go against him. And he said, you? You're going to go against the Philistine? You're a shepherd boy. You've never even gone to war. You can't do this. And so notice what David says in response to Saul's doubt. In 1 Samuel 33, then Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth while he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant was tending his father's sheep when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock. I went out after him, attacked him, and rescued it from its mouth. And when he rose up against me, I seized him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has killed the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them since he has taunted the armies of the living God. I love that. I love that. And see, so while David was out there shepherding, he wasn't in the military, he, but he was doing battle. And he was learning how to fight battles. Amen. And so what was David doing? He was encouraging himself. Man, listen, most shepherds can't kill a bear or a lion, but I did. And I know, I know God helped me. And so if he can help me kill a bear and a lion, I believe he can help me take down this Philistine. Amen. And so, you know, listen, has the Lord ever helped you? Win a battle before? How many of you say he's helped me win at least one battle? Come on, how many of you know that he's helped you win many battles, right? I'm sure you wouldn't be sitting here today if he hadn't helped you win some battles. I know I would not be. But so, can the Lord help you overcome the Goliath that you're facing today, right now? Come on, he helped you defeat the lion and the bear. Don't you think he can help you take the head off of Goliath? Come on, man of God. Come on, woman of God. You're a child of God. Amen. And so you need to be encouraged today. Amen. You don't have to stay in the valley of Elah. Come on, let's go into your destiny. The third essential is that to defeating Goliath is that you got to rely on God's power instead of your own strength. Because what the natural tendency is, is I'm going to try to work this out. I'm going to try to. And so we'll try to do everything in our own. But listen, the truth is we must face our giants. But uh, you got it. You can't run from your giants. You got to face them. And but listen, you don't have to face them on your own. Thank God you can face them in the strength of God, in the power of God. David didn't face his giants alone. He relied on the Lord's power to help him. And that's what he told the giant. Remember in 1 Samuel 17, 43, Goliath said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Well, look, look at David's response in verse 45. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. David says, listen, 
You're looking at my little slingshot here and at my little smooth stone. You're looking at the wrong thing, man. <laughs> you you got to look at who I represent, who I'm serving, who's on my side. I'm not coming at you with natural means. I'm coming at you with supernatural means. Amen. And so David didn't rely on his power. He relied on God's power. Can I suggest something? Let us not rely on our ability, our charisma or anything like that. Let us rely on the power of God because he can do more than we could ever do in a lifetime. He could do in an instant, in a, in a second, right? Come on, if y'all receive that, say amen. But see, where I think we often fail to defeat our giants is when we rely on our own abilities or other people's abilities. And we look for other people to solve our problems. And we look for other people to just get rid of our, our circumstance. But come on, we need to look up under which our help comes from. Our help comes from the Lord. Amen? It's the Lord's power that will deliver you from the overwhelming situations and problems. I love Zechariah 4, 6. It says, this is what, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might nor by power, but by the Spirit says the Lord Almighty. Come on. It's the anointing of God that gives you the spiritual advantage in life to overcome and defeat any Goliath that you're facing. Amen. That's why David said, I've been young and now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or the, his seed begging for bread. David saw the hand of God over and over again. He saw the faithfulness of God. And I know you, many of you in here could stand up right now and shout and say, Todd, let me tell you what God has done for me. There's all kind of testimonies in this building of a faithful God that is ready to help us defeat our giants. Amen. When we, when we were in Israel, the tour guide, you know, he mentioned to us, you know, you saw the picture of us throwing the stone. And he said, think about, you know, throwing that stone. Do you think you throwing that stone would have killed that giant? And the answer is no, right? So he said, well, think about it with a sling, even with a sling. I mean, obviously it would increase the velocity of that stone. But you think even then that a stone would have killed that giant? And, you know, when you think about it, probably not. But you see, there was something supernatural that was on that stone. And whenever it was thrown, it was like God did. And that stone hit him and he's like, oh my Lord. What? Boom. It was the anointing of God. It was the power of God. Listen, the power of God is not just for David in the Valley of Elah. The power of God is in Lafayette, Louisiana. The power of God is in Scott, Louisiana. The power of God is in your house, in your home. You're not fighting by yourself. You're not relying on your ability. The breath of God is with you. Come on. Like he breathed on disciples, received the Holy Spirit, and they turned the world upside down. Amen? Woo! Come on. How many of you want God to breathe on you this morning? Come on, breathe the power of the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 11 says, If the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living in you or within you. Amen. So think about that for a moment. The Lord said, Lazarus, come forth. But he stinketh. He's been dead. Lazarus, come forth. Somebody said the reason why he called him by name, because if he didn't, everybody in the graves would have came forth, right? 
But think about it. If he can raise the dead, don't you think he can change your circumstance? Don't you think he can change your situation? I believe he can, right? But it's God's power in you that allows you to experience supernatural victories and breakthroughs. And the fourth essential to defeating your Goliath is cultivating an intimate relationship with God. You know, obviously David had a relationship with God that the rest of Israel didn't. They all had the same situation and circumstance. David was the one that said, wait, hold up. Is he defying the armies of the living God? See, David was out there in the shepherd in the fields shepherding the sheep. But he was spending time with God. He was a worshiper. Remember? He was in the presence of God. He was in relationship with God. While they were busy doing the, the, the work of God, he was busy sitting at the feet of Jesus experiencing God. And I believe there's a difference between knowing God by, by head knowledge and knowing God right here. Amen? And I believe David, the nation of Israel, was gripped with fear. David was filled with faith. The nation of Israel was relying on natural ability. David was not relying on natural ability. He knew that he didn't kill that bear and that lion because he was such a strong shepherd boy. He knew that God had helped him. God had touched him. God had ministered to him. And he knew that it was by God's help. And he was in close intimate relationship with God. You know what I find? The longer I stay outside of the presence of God and the Word of God, the more fear grips me and the less faith fills me. But if I draw closer to God, my faith increases, fear leaves, and there's something supernatural about where I am. And I want to encourage you today, don't settle for just being a church attender. Draw close to God. Let Him fill you with His Spirit. Stir up that Spirit within you so you can be full of the power of God and you're going to defeat more God than you ever had in your life. Amen. Amen. God wants us to know Him in a personal and an intimate way. And you know, whenever you think about this, it wasn't David's slingshot and stone that killed Goliath. It was his, really his relationship with God. It's really what it was. And haven't you noticed that when you go through a difficult time, and because of how hard it is, your natural ability, your natural tendency most of the time is to draw closer to God. And when you draw closer to God, all of a sudden, you have just something, some strength that you didn't have before, some grace that you didn't have before, some peace that you didn't have before. And so God is saying to us today, don't wait for a Goliath to show up to draw near to me. Stay near to me so when the Goliath shows up, you're not going to waste 40 days in the valley of Elah. You're going to take his head right off and you're going to keep going in your destiny that he has for you. Amen. Amen. The Lord wants us to have that intimate relationship, right? And, uh, you know, before I became a Christian, I knew about God. And, and if you'd asked me, I would have said, I know God. I talk to him. I pray. But I didn't realize how distant my relationship was. And then when I became a Christian, I got saved. I heard his voice. Like, you know, I'm still amazed at that. You know, uh, somebody was sharing with me uh, Wednesday night. They were they were ushering and God spoke to him and said, your wife is pregnant and you're going to and told him what you're going to name him. And he said, honey, the Lord spoke to me and said, 
you know, you know, her text her or something. She's like, Todd didn't speak about that person. Or he's like, no, that's not what I'm talking about. God spoke to me. And so, and so guess what? She's pregnant. And guess what? His name is going to be exactly what the Lord said. How many of you know the Lord speaks today? The Lord's voice. My sheep hear my voice. Man, we need to hear the voice of God. We need the Spirit of the Lord. Listen, everybody's going to have a purpose and a will for you. You better know God's purpose and God's will for you. Because you're going to follow some other person who's got a plan for you. And I promise you, it's not going to be God's plan. It's not going to be the best plan. You need to hear the voice of God. You need to follow the voice of God. And you need to just be empowered by the voice of God. Amen? So draw close. After I became a Christian, I knew God in a personal way. It's kind of like, you know, I know Drew Brees. Do y'all know Drew Brees? I know him. He don't know me, though. <laughs> he don't know. He don't have a clue who I am. I don't have an intimate relationship with him. I don't have the kind of relationship where he calls me by name. God wants us to have an intimate relationship with him. Not just know about him. He wants us to have an intimate relationship. In fact, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, Jesus said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. What? Yep, that's what he said. But only who does he who does the will of my Father who's in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles. Then I will tell them plainly, I never, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. That word means intimacy, person. Would you bow your head with me for just a moment? Jesus died on the cross, shed his blood so we could know him intimately. And I don't know if you have that kind of relationship with him. But the scripture tells us in John chapter 1, all who receive him to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You can't be a giant killer until you know him intimately. So if you're here today and you've never surrendered your life, you've never said yes to the Lord and repented of your sin, invited him into your heart, I want to give you a chance to do that today. Because that's really what Christmas is all about. He came so we could have the gift of salvation and know him personally and intimately. And he could help us overcome our problems in life. If that's you today and you say, Todd, would you pray for me? I, I'm ready to surrender. I'm ready to give my heart to him. Just raise your hand for just a moment. Just so I could see. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Just hold your hand up and say, that's me. Thank you, sir. I see your hand over here. Thank you. I see your hand. Those of you that have your hands raised, as a family, we're going to pray. Thank you, sir. We're going to pray this prayer together as a family. Just pray it from your heart. Just mean it. Just be sincere. Just say this. Say, Lord Jesus, I know I've sinned. But Lord, I'm sorry. And I repent. 
I ask you to forgive me. Lord Jesus, I do want to know you. I do want to experience you. So today, I give my heart to you. I thank you, Jesus, for accepting me into your family. Lord Jesus, I want to live the Christian life. I want to be empowered by you. So today, I turn my back on sin and I turn to you and I say, Lord, help me to live for you. In Jesus' name, I pray amen and amen. Amen. God bless you. You know, we have some, we have a gift for you. We have some inf- uh, a Bible if you need one, some information just to help you get started. There's a card in the pew that said, I made a decision. We're not going to harass you. We just want to pray for you by name. If you just fill it out and just bring it to the desk in the, in the lobby, just say, just hand them the card and they'll know what to give you. And just welcome to the family of God. It's the best, the best decision you could ever make. And now you're empowered to be a giant killer. Now let me ask you a question. How many of you are facing Goliaths right now? Let me see your hand. It's, it's overwhelming you. It's, it's occupying you emotionally. Just stand up right there where you are. Just stand up right there. And I want you to, I just want you to just do whatever you feel. You know, lift your hands, hold your hands out, cross your arms, whatever it is, kneel down, whatever it is. Come on, let's agree together right now. Come on. The Lord's power is in you. The Lord's anointing is in you. The Lord's spirit is over you. Come on, let's believe right now that Lord, that, that, that Goliath is not going to keep you in the valley. You're coming out of that valley. You're reaching your destiny. You're moving forward. Come on. Now you declare right now the promises of God, the promises of God. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I'm going to declare it right now. I I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm going to declare it right now. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Father, I pray with every person that's standing, every person that's reaching out, I agree with them by faith that their, their Goliath's head is coming off right now. Lord, they're defeating that giant. Lord, that giant is coming down. Lord, something is changing right now. Lord, the whole camp of Israel is moving out of their stronghold. And Lord, they're rushing the plunder. Lord, the plunder of the Philistines today. In the name of Jesus, I thank you and I praise you that we are more than conquerors through Christ. Lord, we love you. We honor you. We bless you. We praise you. We worship you. We thank you for this day. Lord, you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Thank you, Jesus, for helping us today. In the mighty and in the strong name of Jesus, I pray. I'm going to just declare it right now. I'm going to just declare it. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Come on. Declare your victory today. Declare your... Come on. David ran to the giant. Come on. You can't sit in idle. You can't sit in neutral. David ran to the giant. Come on. Run to the giant in faith. Run to your giant in faith. Run to your giant in faith. In the name of Jesus, we thank you and we praise you, Lord, for the breakthrough this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody that agreed said amen. 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 Praise you, Father. Praise you, Lord Jesus. I'm going to ask uh, the, the ministry team, the altar workers, just to come. If you want somebody to agree with you and pray for you, I encourage you to come forward and we'll pray with you. And uh, if not, God bless you. Be encouraged today. You're a giant killer and you can win the battles that you're facing. Amen. 
God bless you. You're dismissed.